Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Appreciate you all. And before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to my patrons, Keith, Daniel, Elena, Jeff, Mark, Martha, Sarah, who's with us in the studio today, Verena, Brenda, Jennifer, um, Sean, Kevin, Unena, and brand new patron, Vanessa. Thank you for being patrons and making this podcast possible and building a new community. And for our first-time listeners and regulars who at this moment may not be able to sign up on Patreon, we understand. We know it's not easy right now for everybody. And you can still support us by sharing, subscribing, and giving us five stars and leaving a positive review on iTunes or whatever, whatever platform that you listen on. But most important of all, subscribe and keep sharing, okay? So, without much further ado, I introduce today's guest. She's an entrepreneur. She's had her hearts in uh, multiple fields, from banking, real estate, to nonprofit or uh, NGOs, as it's known in uh, your part of the world, uh, non-governmental organizations. And she is uh, born in the same country as I was born, but from a different region and, uh, and tribe and tally. So that's another reason why I wanted to bring her. But she's an all-around great person, fantastic individual. And there's a whole lot to this woman that I admire and I haven't even um, scratched the surface of. But that's why she's here, because she's going to like you know introduce us to a whole lot and it's about learning and having fun while we are learning. And it's about uh, bridging the gap. And at this moment in time, Nigeria is uh, it's very hot politically. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. And if you meet most people outside of Nigeria, a lot of people are familiar with the Yoruba tribe. Everybody, like, you know, they tend to, like, first thing people ask, why are you Yoruba? You know, a lot of the music you hear from Nigeria today is mostly Yoruba focused or Yoruba based hip hop artist and everybody tends to just assume that a country of over 300 tribes or ethnic groups has uh, is all Yoruba or is just Lagos and there's a whole lot to that country, there are a whole lot of people that exist there whose stories have not been told, who's, who do not get to be represented and it is good to hear from other people that exist there other people whose, ex whose stories and experiences are a lot different from just Lagos, Lagos. And it's not bad to hear from people from Lagos, but we can't just give the whole shine to Lagos. I'm not Lagos, then I exist. So that's why another reason why I brought uh, today's guest here, Sarah Haruna Moda. Welcome to White Label American. How are you doing today? Hi, Rob. Thank you very, very much. And thank you for having me. And I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, we, we've known each other since how long? For, for like forever. 
But we've not, you know, we, you know, we've we've gotten a lot closer in the last few years. But you know, but we've known each other for like it feels like centuries now. But we're not that yeah. old. We're young. We're still very young. We're like twenty one. You know, <laughs> not let like these young kids start thinking that. Yeah, uh, we are, we are old yes, people. Twenty one is good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so thank you for joining us today, and um, let's dive in and begin. You know, um, so. Most people hear your name, Sarah Haruna uh, Moda, and you know, do most people assume that you you're born in Nigeria, or people assume that you're related to Nigeria? Um, not many actually. I do, yeah. Some people kind of are familiar with the name Haruna because it, it's from the Hausa tribe, um, and it's got its origin from the Aramaic Arabic kind of region. Mm-hmm. Um, however. I'm mostly mistaken to be a South African or Malaysian, um, sorry, Malawian, or just somewhere different, not Nigeria. And then I end up saying, yes, I am from Nigeria and uh, I am from the North. And then that's when all the questions come in. Wow, we've never met, a, you know, another Nigeria in the UK. We've never met, you know, somebody who speaks Elsa or, you know, there's only a few of you here. Why are you here? So then I dive into answering <laughs> questions and <laughs> raising awareness about North, yeah, etc. Yes, unsurprising. Yeah. So, um, where in Nigeria were you born? So, I was born in Gombe, and Gombe is a state in Nigeria, uh, northern Nigeria, um, from the northern part of Nigeria. Uh, it was originally from um, derived from Boucher State. Mm-hmm. So we're now a state of our own. So I was born oh, there. So, oh, that came out from Bauchi. I was thinking uh, yes. Gongola. From no, no. Gongola. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Yola, yes. Yola. I'm our state. Yes. So, yeah, so I was born in Gombe and, um, yeah, and almost kind of raised there. I was all over the place, but, yeah, Gombe is. Well, so what city, uh, what's your city called? The city that you were born in? Gombe State, inside Gombe. Oh, inside Gombe. Okay. Gombe Town. Oh, so, yeah, so Gombe okay. is a town and the state. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I, I was, I'm not pretty, I'm not sure I ever visited Gombe. Um, yeah. you, maybe I, I've driven past there, maybe as a kid. Past but it, yeah. I, 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 last time I was in Bauchi was, uh, yeah, I was probably a kid. I think ba- Bauchi okay. has one water, waterfall, right? Yes, it uh, does yeah, have the young The memory is coming back now. Well, yeah, because uh, my mom was a federal uh, civil servant, so oh, okay. I was born in Jos, okay. and so we, we did. You know, sometimes I went on trips with my mom, and we go visit different parts of the north. And, okay. You know, okay. I, I, I spoke how I spoke Hausa as a child, and Hausa. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Hausa was one of my first languages. I spoke Hausa in Yoruba. And yeah, so, so yeah, so you were far away from Gombe. Mm-hmm. So I remember that waterfall. Bauchi, the, the only thing I remember about Bauchi is the waterfall. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah I schooled in Bauchi too. So, yes, I know Bauchi and I know Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody knows Josh. Josh was, used to be extra beautiful then. I don't know about now. It was small London. <laughs> we call it small, small London. London. Oh, and I never, yeah. Heard. Oh, okay. I had that now, too. I was born in small London. Yeah. Yeah, I was born in small London. <laughs> yeah. So, your, 
ethnic group? Is it Hausa or one of the other tribes that exist in the north that people don't really know about? Yes. So I, yes, the, the general ethnic group would be Hausa. Okay. And um, but in, my, in, in Hausa, there are loads of different tribes and different, you know, from the region, there is, there are a lot of different tribes and I speak Tera also. So Tera is the tribe basically. Mm. Um, but Hausa is, call it a lingua franca. Okay. So in the North, most people speak Hausa language. But there, there are so many perceptions anyway about the North. Yeah. And and people get wrong about, you know, the ethnic group in the North, the ethnic groups in the North. Yeah, I remember oh. that first time I saw that. Uh, I don't even know what textbook that was. And it wasn't even a book that they were using to teach us. I think I was in Ibadan and or Benin. I can't remember which city. But somebody brought the book to school and by mistake, and it just had different tribes in uh, per state. And that's yeah. when I saw or I noticed that uh, Adamawa had sixty six tribes within yeah. it, and I was like, "Wait, what? What are all these people? No, I never heard about yeah. them." You know. So you just said your 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 is Tira or Tira, yeah, T R A, T R A, yes. Wow. And this is the first time I'm hearing about that. Exactly. And there's so many that exist because we keep hearing that number about you know about 300. I'm like, who 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 makes it 300? Like, how does it get to be 300? But yeah, we don't even know. We, yeah. we don't know that people exist, and you know. But we just assume everybody's just Hausa. We just blanket it with Hausa, and yeah, that's another reason why it's like a lot easier to hate everybody on the, from the north. Because of the mm. you know the political uh, situation and um, based on a few of the elite, yeah. so just uh, they're all yeah. Muslims, they're all um, uh, Hausa, and then that's it. And then yeah. it's, so it's like yeah. every other tribe common... exists in the south, or, or what? Yeah, and that's the common perception, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, everybody in the north. So there are quite a few perceptions that people get kind of wrong. And um, for me, obviously, I I always get the religious perception and the ethnic the ethnic perception as well. Um, so yeah, generally when people you know people say you know know that you're from the north, especially from the south or you know the southerners and the easterners think that the north, basically the region is not mainly Muslim or wholly Muslim. Yeah. Right. So whenever I meet somebody from the South and I introduce myself as Sarah, I'm correctly placed as a Christian. But once I'm asked my state and I say Gombe State, the next question comes up, you know, uh, are you Muslim? So, you know, that's when we start <laughs> to dive into, okay, okay. So the perception is, yeah, everybody from the North is, you know, kind of Muslim. But it's not always correct. So your your uh, family have they been Christian? Well, let me see. In your tribe, is yeah. um, is there a large percentage of Christians there, or is it um, or is it like a, an equal percentage of Muslims, Christians, you know, something like? In, to your knowledge, it's a good mix, I would say. Or should I say sixty? Or even with the traditionalists too, because I know there the, the, the cities and They're tribes and places yeah. in the north that yeah. still follow the old traditional 
um, practice that uh, yeah. the caliphate um, campaign didn't succeed in wiping out. Yeah, yeah, there are still there, but um, I would say probably not very common in the state. Okay. Um, but yeah, the main ones are you're either Christian or you're Muslim. Of course. But uh, yeah, the, the main perception I personally, you know, get from Southerners and Easterners um, in Nigeria, they believe that Southerners are all Muslims. And another thing about the perception of uh, being in a, you know, an ethnic group is that we're all houses. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, okay? So for me, yes, I actually have a fair share of house of blood through me, through my my personal grandmother. She um, she is from Sokoto State. Well, initially Zamfara State. Yeah. So there's a good mix of, you know, house of blood in me there. However, it's only the northeast. It's, you know, there's, it is only not just, it's only the northwest, sorry, that is close to being homogeneous. Mm. Mainly house of Fulani. But with, with still minority tribes in like Zuru area of Kebbi State. And so Kebbi State is down, you know, down um, north, northwest. And the multiple diverse southern Kaduna. Yeah. So Kaduna, yes. And oh, then yeah. the northeast, yes. <laughs> yes. And the northeast and north central is filled with tribes, like many mm-hmm. of whom I have never even heard of. And wow. for example, like Adamar State, you did touch on that, but Adamar State is so diverse that obviously it's the largest ethnic group. And for example, the Fulani is just 3 to 5% of the entire population of Adamar State. The rest are huge, like different tribes. I cannot name, yeah. name all of them. There, there are quite a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, this is the perception, you know, in the North, there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. There is a lot to know and there is a lot to learn. Um, so yeah, this is the two I could kind of touch on right now, religious perception and ethnic perception. Yeah. So not everybody is, you know, originally Hausa. We is a lingua franca in the North. But trust me, there are people even in my village that cannot speak Hausa. They just speak the Tierra language or whatever language in whatever you know villages that you know they come from. Wow! But it's just yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. It's incredible. I love it. Yeah, that that's that's why it's necessary to have conversations like this, so we we can see where like I've made that these same assumptions too. Even though I was born in Jaws. But I was a kid when I left Joss, so I, my brain hadn't really formed that much, you know, and my perception when I was speaking house out when I left Joss, so it was easy to fall into that trap of everybody yeah. not speaks house out one way or the other, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's important to have these conversations and know people uh, from every other place. And it also speaks to our system, the educational system that we have too, because, you know, in the yeah. South, I still remember my primary school books not mentioning anything about any other person. It's just Igbo, uh, Hausa, Igbo, Yoruba. And, you know, one day I'm like, wait, what about my job? You know, where, where we at? <laughs> like, I'm living in Bini yeah. City. There's big Bini here. There's Ishekiri, there's uh, Ishan, there's... Uh, yeah. And you start, and then why would people not stop getting mad one day? Like, where am I? Why? When, when am I going to be? You know, and all these things lays 
ground the foundation for some, a lot of the troubles that we are having today. So, yeah, it's yeah. important for kids and adults to see themselves represented. And if you want people to belong, to feel, have a sense of belonging, stop, stop making it like only one person has everything. You know, if yeah, everybody belongs, then put everybody in there. Um, so, with that being said, um, what your um, what do you consider your favorite childhood memory? Mm, that's quite easy. Okay, <laughs> so I think for me is this in the village for Christmas. Like once it's like twenty third of December, we're all uh-huh. like gearing up to hit the village, right? So because all my cousins are all you know scattered around the world, around the the country, parts of Nigeria, and we would all all, all of us meet in the village in Gombe in in Zambuk actually that's my village and gosh we played some fun games like so you know we played and we ate lots of you know food you know the real stuff that grandparents cooked yeah yeah and um I think yeah ultimately spending time quality time with my cousins that I haven't seen for years or for you know throughout the year until December and just uh getting to know the many grandparents, not just the immediate grandparents, and <laughs> many aunties, literally everybody's auntie, yeah. everybody's uncle, everybody's grandpa and grandma. But it's just that sense of community. I just, honestly, that that is my favorite childhood memory. I still remember, like we were let loose, like, you know, you mm-hmm. could actually run around and do things and go, like there's no fear of being lost. Yeah. Like wherever you are, you found, oh yeah, this child just, just landed from whatever state mm-hmm. is the daughter of this and that. Like it's easy to just find your way. It, 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 you know, it was it was just it was just incredible. So yes, going home, going to the village for Christmas celebrations and New Year. Oh yeah, well, Christmas second, and New Year. We all it's, up. Yeah, it's one package celebration. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, yeah. I loved, I loved it. Yeah. I loved what what, what, what yeah. were some of the games that you played? Wow. Okay. So there's this one. I don't know if you know. It's called Ten Ten. Right? I was. Wait, like, <laughs> I did in my mind that you said that. <laughs> yeah. I never like, liked that like, game because all the girls used to whoop us. <laughs> yeah. It's like jump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like proper. Like I don't know how to explain or to describe it, but anyway, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. I loved it. And then like skip rope, and then obviously the normal riddles and jokes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think then I didn't know what truth or dare or whatever they were, but yeah, those kind of games mm-hmm. brought so much joy and happiness. Uh, yeah, I think Ten Ten was one of those games that I just love to hate because uh, I think most of the boys who are new hated Ten Ten because we were never going to win. The girls always beat us. So we just, you know, we'll be talking trash. Like, all oh, these girls. Like, it's a girl spot. We don't, girl, we don't yeah. play it. But it's just because we couldn't beat any girls. Like, if we could beat girls at it, then we probably would have been like, yeah, we like it. But, you know, every time we try to play, girls will beat us. And, you know, the boy's ego and yeah. the messaging that we had then was like, you know, you shouldn't lose to a girl. So... We don't, we don't want to play this part because how we no, gonna play this girls, game? Girls always won. <laughs> that girls were winning. Girls always won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? What are some of the traditional cuisines that? Uh, uh, let me not say traditional. What are some of the cuisines that you guys have in uh, the Tira um, tribe? Um, right. Right. Okay. So um, 
for I think generally I would say there is masa. Mm -hmm. So masa is like rice cake, really. Oh. Like, do you know? Yeah, it's similar to crumpet, something you'd have in the morning. They're all over the super supermarket. Okay. But this one is slightly different um, to crumpet, but you know, there's a closest explanation I can give. But it's um, it's rice base basically. It's a mixture of raw rice and cooked rice blended together, like oh. mixed raw together, and cooked. thoroughly blended. Yes, yes, together. Wow. And then I think it's kind of, it goes through a process of fermentation. Okay. Like it's a whole different game. Like it's 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 so nice, right? Okay. So masa is one of the things like in the mornings on the on the streets you see people just like you see akara. Akara mm -hmm. is kind of generally in the in Nigeria yeah. or in West Africa. But masa is kind of tailored to the north. And most states in the north know about masa, especially Bauchi. When you say masa, they say is it masa and bauchi, like is it masa from bauchi? Because like they mm. they are known for it. Okay. Um so that yeah, you, you can eat that with anything, literally anything, but the, the main thing that goes with it is a sauce, a spinach sauce. Mm. Um or you can have it with just chili, you can have it with well these days you can have it with anything, you can have it with Nutella, you can have it with jam. But you know, I think what goes well with it for me is you know that spinach sauce. That sounds um, very so healthy. Mass. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, kind of, yeah. I think it is apart from the you know the the rice, the calves and the rice. Yeah, but you know with the, with the veg with the spinach, it kind of complements it. And so yeah, masa is one. And obviously we there is other things like namwaki. So I'm saying it the way that you know another person would say namwaki. Namwaki mm -hmm. is um, beans. Yeah. <laughs> Then wake so D A N. Then wake is beans. Uh -huh. So then wake it's a beans dumpling basically, and that oh. one too is a different ball game. It's a mixture of baobab. So baobab powder is one of one of the power power power. What, what do they call them? Superfoods like power foods. Yeah. And um, baobab is really healthy for you. So we mix the bean powder with baobab and mix it. Like it's, wow. it's a process also. But you eat that with some chili also, so that is another one. It for especially for my tribe for Tira. Mm -hmm. And wake is huge. Like when you eat that in the morning, like the farmers when they eat that in the morning and go to the farm, it's like that's it. They just drink water. It stays in the belly until evening when they're back home. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I should have eaten when I was doing liberal work in uh, Potakot and other places when ah. I was doing some hustling. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I ah, needed. Okay. I never knew. Yeah. Um, I know Baobab three. Yeah, I know the three. But, uh, yes. But yes. yeah, I don't think it grows. I think it only grows on the north, if I'm not mistaken, I, or I the Sahel, yeah, I, I, the Sahel region. So I, I think it has particular it's places region. that it grows in. I know it's a particular type I of. I think so. It has I a think so. Particular think. shape to it, and uh, yeah. Look. So the leaf is mm -hmm. yeah, it's a leaf that um, is dried and then made into powder, into powder. Wow. And. Voila, you eat it. You can drink it this day. I've seen it in like TJ Maxx. Um, and, you know, shops like herb, herbal shops, like the shops that we have here, I've seen them. So wow. Yeah, oh, so that's one oh, uh, you have to send me that after after this recording <laughs> so I can, yeah, I can go look it yeah. up. Yeah. I can look yeah, it up. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll please, definitely please. try it. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. I, I started working out yeah. now, so I, I, I might need some of that too, too. 
you know. Cool, well done. Yeah, If I'd known about something like that back in my Navy days, I probably would have joined the special ops. And who knows? <laughs> I'll send you. I'll send you a recipe. You can do. I'm sure it, it's not too bad. You, you know, mm, sure yeah, as far as far as it's not, you know, that that's why I don't do stuff like moi moi or akara. It's like too much. It's too much labor intensive. It's too much. <laughs> uh, I'm just there for yeah. the eating. I order and eat instead. I found. But see, but Nigerian foods, right? Generally, they just they they're just not easy to quickly Ooh, with. You yeah, know, yeah that's, you, that's a problem. Even normal jollof rice, you take you know over yeah. an hour to cook it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the the easiest to make right now is probably banga, all because of the they've done the, the they've done the hard work for you and just processed it into the can. Yeah, so they've got just, it in the tins. Yeah, so you yeah. just yeah, so you just empty it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, I forgot my British English. You, you just call it tin, and I'm like <laughs> can. <laughs> I'm all Americanized uh, now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. um, being that you were born in Gombe. Do you, you remember your first time of leaving Gombe and leaving Northern Nigeria? Your first ex, your first uh, experience outside of Northern Nigeria. What was that like for you? Um. Yeah, I think my first experience of leaving the north was going to the east, going to Imo State. Ah. My dad worked there, and um, obviously everything was just different like they, they had more green leaves around there because like the rain <laughs> fell <laughs> often there yeah and so yeah there was a bit of a what should i call it cultural shock like there was there was something to the air there's something you know there's something different yeah because not not as much drier and being closer dry, to the yes, Sahara yeah. desert yeah yes so um i absolutely loved it it's, it's, i still would go to it um but yeah <laughs> It was just, I think the people, obviously, they all were curious to understand or to know more about the North. Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, this, you know, this person's daughter is here now, or the family are here. So how is it like, you know, in the North? So it was, it was a, a period of learning and unlearning and relearning as well yeah. of the culture of the people, of the evil people. And they were, you know, really, really nice people. They are still nice people. Some of the closest people to me are from... From the east. And how so how, how old time. were you then? I was um let's see, I was ten. Yeah, it was just before I went to high school. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, ten. Uh, just before yeah. I went to high school, yeah. Mm -hmm. About ten, yes. And I think we carried on going like every holiday we would go and I think until when I was like nearly my late teens, I think. So what what's yeah. uh, was yeah. it Owerri you went that you went to? Or? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, it was Owerri. Yes, my dad mm -hmm. works in Owerri. So and uh, I've been to Olu. I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Yeah. I've been to Mbisi, mm -hmm. like some of those. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I know a bit in the state. I think I've only been to Owerri. I don't think I even spent them. Probably I've been to Owerri, but I don't. I can't remember why I went there. But uh, I've been okay. there for something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that there's, if you strip away the political noise, Igbos and Northerners, there's a good, very good relationship between Igbos yeah. and Northerners. Too, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like the same way that there's a very good relationship between Igbos and Yorubas. You know, and I say people in the West because there's none 
in everybody in the West, not Yoruba. They're, they're like the, yeah. ori the, yeah. the original, uh, the indigenous group of Lagos is not Yoruba. I forgot what they're called in Badagri. Yeah. So um, Igbos have, but it's part of this somehow, somewhere that misconception language and the political noise just became something. And, you know, so if you're going by that garbage that's out there, it makes it look like everybody hates Igbo people. But but when you strip it down to people's interactions, you, you see that everybody's been interacting with Igbo people all this time. My people have. Um, will be, and you see that's why, like, I have a very good relationship with lots of Igbos. I've, yes, I've had bad relationships yeah. with Igbo people too. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, I think majority of my girlfriends have also been Igbo, so Ooh, there's that okay. too. <laughs> you know, uh, it would be okay. weird to say I have a bad relationship with Igbo people and I've been dating Igbo women at the same time. That's kind of... Um, this is a different topic now. I would come back and ask you more about this. Okay, yeah, feel free, feel free. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always notice like there's always... <laughs> just is laughing. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, really, they're, yeah. they're good people. They're, you know, they're, they, they were easy going and easy to interact with. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, touch on business. There you go. You know, they, they just want to explore every yeah. business avenue here. Yeah. If you want to learn business, those are the guys you go to. You know, they, yeah. they, I mean, all the business schools in Nigeria should be set up in the East, to be honest. There's so many things to learn from there. And, and, but it's just that we have a wealth of experience. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's so much to, to tap from there, but ah, it's just the way we do things there is just somehow weird. Like, you know. <laughs> um, so um, you you attended um, secondary school or high school, as we call it here, in Bauchi, right? Yes. And yes. so was that experience. Um, Different for you, though, being that you were no longer in your city, you were away from home. Was it a boarding school that you attended? Yes, it was a boarding school. Um, I went to Federal Government Girls College. Oh, Auchi, okay. And um, that's yeah. a big school. So it's been a, <laughs> then, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there wasn't any much difference at all because, like, literally, Bauchi and Gombe was just under two hours drive. And um, we ate the same thing. We, we, were, we were part of Bauchi, obviously. So they were, it was like home away from home. Okay. Um, but apart from obviously being in a boarding school environment, it's a, it was a completely different thing. Like, and I was one of the youngest in my set. So I was always like, I was always homesick. I was always crying. Um, but obviously I grew into it and I kind of understood. I didn't know how to soak Gary. Like, ah. I was just that it was, it was a <laughs> Yes, I did it. Like, but Gary had to be like number one on the list of provision. Mm -hmm. Yep, every um, everybody yeah. student that I know, Gary. If you don't take Gary, which, which is cassava, dried cassava, yeah, uh, in, yeah. into grains, uh, it's a process. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's something that yep, you can't survive, but in school you're not supposed to survive. I mean, you can survive, but uh, you 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 come out looking like you came out of a war zone or something. Yeah. <laughs> True. So, so, yeah, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't different from Gumbe really, apart from just the experience of being in boarding school with right. you know so, people from all parts of the country. We're, we're there too, yeah. That's that's another thing with federal government schools; they always had people from yeah. all over the country there. Yeah. So uh, another thing 
about boarding schools is uh, I know many people attending boarding schools, and I know the, the stories. So for you, what was your boarding school experience like? Was it on the, the positive side, the negative side, or you know, neutral side? Um, to be honest, I would say it was positive, actually. Like, yeah, I did have, like, you know, a bit of a bad experience, mm-hmm. but which was normal for a boarding school where maybe a, a senior student would bully you, but for whatever reasons, you you, you pick up your, yourself and move on. But I, I count myself one of the what, lucky ones, I would say, that um, even amongst my mates and seniors and juniors, I think I just kind of blended in. I got along with most of them, most people. And um, there's this perception about, you know, if you're in, the, you know, if you're in boarding school, you should learn how to make hair. Or, or if you don't, basically, it's like you have to make somebody's hair for somebody to make yours. Um, but in that instance, I didn't need to. <laughs> Hence, why I do not know how to make, you know, teeth for how to make oh. hair. Uh, because uh, I was lucky that you know I had, you know, I had all that uh, luxury of my friends and you know, you know, my colleagues, my, yeah, my friends and juniors and seniors, um, always kind of available for me <laughs> to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. So um, there was but no yeah, I really, uh, yeah, yeah, there was no pressure. Honestly, there was no pressure. Um, but yeah, I loved, I loved it. I loved it. I, you know, I still most of my, you know, my my very close friends are my secondary school friends, nice. people I went to boarding school with. Yeah, that's good. So after boarding school, um, you did your whole secondary school was boarding school, right? Yes, the whole of it. Yeah, from first okay. one to first three. Yes. All right. So um, was that when you 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 Moved to the UK? Uh, was there no, no. <laughs> there was something in between? No. Yes. I yeah, I I went to I started university in Nigeria and didn't finish. Well, where did you go to UK. university? I went to University of Joss, but before University of Joss, I went to the Federal Polytechnic in Bauchi. Um but this was the so You many didn't want to leave Bauchi? You still wanted to stay in Bauchi? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to stay about you for so many reasons, obviously. But um, yeah, you know, after after high school, you you know, we wrote the so during high school we wrote the jam exam. Yes. The yes, and um, didn't get to the university that I wanted. And um, oh yeah, the cutoff marks. Yeah, and all that. yeah, the cutoff marks. Yeah, and Good I had stuff. to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, did another one, and then the, basically the result was pended. You know, the, so time was kind of going, and you know, like feeling left behind. So then the federal polytechnic um, option was the one readily available. So I kind of jumped on it because I was like, yeah, time is going. I need to be. Yeah, I need to go into tertiary institution. And uh, so I did a diploma in the Federal Polytechnic in Bauchi. And oh, so which yeah, was there. from your diploma, you yes, moved to... Yes, I went to university. Okay. Yeah, that used to be one uh, process, uh, one means of gaining admission to university, university uh, back yes. then. But I think now they've upgraded polytechnics finally to university levels. Because polytechnics, were, yeah. they're universities. But they used to do this weird thing of um, looking down on people who graduated from polytechnics. Yeah. That yeah, um, I say if you didn't graduate from a university, and polytechnics actually do 
are more technical are more technical universities. That's what they are. That's why they're called yeah. polytechnics. But Nigerians, the, the, the system is so fancy with words. So they're like, polytechnic, nah, it's a downgrade on university. University is the big thing. I'm like, uh, so. <laughs> and it's true, though. I also had that because, like, I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I have to go to university. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it was just what it told me that, you know, two years gone past and we're still waiting for, you know, university. And when obviously the parents had to come in, it was like, you need to jump on you need to go in now yeah. so yeah i didn't want that you know that crown of you know i went to the polytechnic so um but i did yeah i, I, I was know, like that, that was too because I, I could have gone to a polytechnic but i was also looking down on polytechnic <laughs> because it's like <laughs> yeah you go to polytechnics who you can't uh, i knew i knew people who attended polytechnic graduated from polytechnics and then went to universities and like because it's like, oh, I'm not getting a job with a polytechnic, so I have to go get uh university degree. But it wasn't really about your degree, you know. If you still had, if you knew people, you get a job easily. But, the, but there's still that discrimination that was happening because of the degree that you came with that said polytechnic, and it took yeah. the federal government upgrading, uh, uh, record accrediting polytechnics as the same as universities. Just, I'm like, yeah, Nigeria has got some <laughs> weird things that they do. But uh, so what did you study? Well, did you study the same thing at the Polytechnic and University? Um, similar, yes. So I studied, I, I did business um, administration and management at Polytechnic. Okay. Um, but in between that, I didn't jump into university immediately because, so basically when you finish the diploma, yeah. you, you, you apply for university for direct en- entry. But whilst you're doing oh, that, yeah, that's what you, know, called. You, yes. you know, you, you yes, because you you know you couldn't just rely on that; anything could happen. So um, the next thing is, you know, it's either you go and do an IT, so mm-hmm. industrial training, um, at a at a organization anywhere, or companies, and then just in case you didn't get into university, you could come back and do a higher national diploma, your HND. Yeah. So whilst whilst I applied to university, I thought, okay, let's let's try this um, IT thing, and then that's when I ventured into banking with a diploma. Wow! <laughs> and um, yeah, so I worked um, in the banks with my diploma, and I think it was a good good decision I did because the university, you know, when the direct entry um, admissions came out, there was a whole lot of a mix up that basically didn't get me to go into the university. So if I'd waited and did nothing, mm-hmm. didn't do the IT, that would be another year wasted. So I jumped right. into banking industry and then did like some years and then eventually had to jump into the university. So yeah, I was I was a kind of a late blue bell or something in university. No, I, I don't I don't think you were late blue. I'm, I'm I went to university at what? I was in my thirties, when I started university, so that, that was a grand grandfather bloomer or what? <laughs> but I know people were older <laughs> than me. <laughs> they went to university yeah, in their fifties yeah, and sixties. Um, actually, my friends, uh, one of my friend in Ibadan, his grandfather had retired, or yeah, he had retired, and he was like, "I'm bored at home," so he applied. He took jump and <laughs> went to university of Ibadan. <laughs> And wow. he passed, and I was like, "Man, I didn't pass jump." This old man passed jump ahead of me. I was like, "Man, that's that embarrassing." <laughs> no, but 
But jam, jam was quite hard. Yeah, yeah. Na- Nigerian exams, they're, they're actually meant to make you fail. And they're, they're, um, there's two things about them, like jam and waek. It's not about seeing the process of, you know, they appreciate the process, like something like math, mathematics. You yeah. you know they appreciate you. They see like you know they they make you they, they don't do the um what's it called the uh, multiple choice answers. Yeah. They they focus oh, yeah. more on you you they, they, they give, you thing. solve the whole thing. You solve the whole equation. You show you how you worked it. But just because you miss this, you miss one step, we fail the whole thing. I know yeah. I knew people who intentionally did that. And then you have some professors who are just lazy. Or whatever they call them, the is it proctors or whatever who mark the, these exams because they, they didn't yeah. want to spend money, so they will go get some professors and guys from neighboring schools in some cities, and then these guys be like, you know what, I'm gonna get my students to come mark these exams for me. So I ended up marking some exams for for some. Wow. Uh, yeah, I did that for um, Yek. There was this highbrow. Uh, you know, these evening lessons that uh, what we we'll yeah, call oh lessons. Yeah, 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 so I attended one with some yeah, mad rich kids. And this yeah. one of uh, the professors, the guy I was teaching um, agric- agricultural science, he got us to mark um, the guys who he was cool with. He invited us to come to his place and he brought a whole bunch of, uh, I think it was WAEC or GC. I can't remember which one we did. But we got to mark other people's stuff and man when you got tired you just like man i was just like pass 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 just you, you got it you got it you got it I was oh like, yeah man i ain't gonna be feeling i ain't gonna be feeling my fellow students i'm just be feeling people but just imagine somebody in a bad mood like man i don't i think i'm just gonna feel 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 but who's gonna check it this yeah. was uh yeah. this was uh 1899 so what was the, the process of, what's the due process for checking? And you, 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 so that's how some people feel and you couldn't explain why this kid feel, this kid shouldn't feel those yeah. exams and then their family going to yeah. beat them or cause the hell out of them. And yeah, yeah you wasted some, school fees. some sad stories coming out, that person is depressed. But, you know, when I got to do stuff like that and I was asking him, he's like, oh yeah, we, we do this stuff. You know, I, I don't have time. They don't pay me enough money to be, Marking all these papers, you know. So I, I'll go get other students, you know. I, I try, you know, I get people like you, like, hey, help me out, and then I'll, I'll help you with your exams. You know, I'll give you some, you know, I'll hook you up. I ain't hook me up with nothing. <laughs> well, I do hope that this is still not ongoing, right? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I, that, I that, so. um, I'll be surprised if it's not ongoing. I'll be, but you know how much they pay those guys? Uh, I'll be surprised if it's not ongoing, but. You know, I, moved, I completely forgot about it until you mentioned Jam and all that stuff coming back. I was like, yeah, I did stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this, this teachers. But, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, because there, there are some people I'm like, this person should never have failed. I, I didn't put myself in that category, but even my yeah. result, I was still surprised that when I saw my first YEC result. But I don't, I'm not saying that's why I didn't get the result I was expecting. Yeah. But yeah. there were some people who I knew and like that guy got only one, one A, and his mom cost him. I think he, he got like um, two C's, and the rest were D's. The mom oh. cost the hell out of him. She was, uh, but they didn't come from money, you know. And it was a struggle buying yeah. white forms, and so she expected him to pass that one in one sitting. And oh man, 
Yeah, so I don't know if somebody did that to him and all that. So who knows? But <laughs> some of us went through stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but yeah. <laughs> so you got into University of Jazz. Um, <laughs> now, while you were in Jazz, because one thing I, I, you know, I admire about Jazz, so I still remember about Jazz, is the weather from my time. Yeah. Now, the, you know, you noticed when you went to Imo, uh, Imo State, you know, you do you notice the environment being different to yeah. uh, your part of the north? But Joss is yeah. technically in the north, you know, although middle belt, yeah. but it's yeah. considered north. And yeah. so your time in, in Joss, did you what did the weather surprise you or put you off? No, actually, yeah. So the weather in Jos, you know, in as much as it's kind of similar to the east, is not the same. Like, mm-hmm. so Jos had its coolness. There's this coolness about it. There wasn't much rain in in, in Plateau State, but in the in the east, it was always raining. Yeah. This is what I remember. It was always wet, but in in Plateau State, there was this cool breeze, and I think that's why it was called Smart London. Apparently, mm-hmm. like the the expert rates, oh, yeah. you know what, you know, they would always want they to love settle it. in Plateau State because mm-hmm. of the weather. Yes, because of the weather, it wasn't dry, you know, it wasn't too hot, it wasn't it wasn't too dry, like it was just conducive. It was just uh, you know some and some fruits and some vegetables grew in Joss. Yeah, you, you could grow, grow apples. Grow yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. Yes, you could and, grow uh, apples. You know, you, Nigeria's you know, winter apples happens right in Joss too. Yes, yes, and I think so, uh, yeah, I Obudu. Think, yeah, Obudu Castle. Yes, Obudu. Yes, Obudu is also um, a, a cool place. But yeah, in Plateau, you know, there wasn't much. You know, yeah, I, I loved it. The weather was, you know, just perfect, and the people were so slightly different from Gombe State. I must admit, like they, they just there was just they, they were more social, sociable, um, in Plateau State, and the you know the fashion was top notch. Yeah. If, you, if you say you're just boy or just girl, like usually they expect to see some sort of a fashion icon in you or, you know, just somebody that knows what's up. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I, I, I have, to, I have yeah. to update my resume now. I'd return yeah, back can. to. Well, I always claim just born, but Pitakwa born. Yeah. So I think I can, I think that, that fits in there. But I think that explains a lot now about my, my me knowing some style and all that. So. Yeah. I was born into it. Yeah. Okay. Makes yeah, sense. Yes, so I think, yeah, you've got it. You've got it. Yeah, you've got a year. But yeah, Plateau, yeah, I loved it. You know, I made incredible friends there. And um, it was quite short and had to, to leave. I had to say goodbye. But yeah. All right. So now we're going to jump into um, your leaving, which means leaving Nigeria. <laughs> but yeah. before we do that let's take a quick break and return back Uh, we'll be right back shortly hi everyone your host Raphael Harry here I can't believe we have gone past our one-year anniversary of doing white label American I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people sharing their modern-day immigrant stories and you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people
people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created a White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content, help me interview upcoming guests by submitting questions, and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one conversation, either virtually or in studio. So if this podcast means something to you, and if you really love this show, Think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label American POD. Thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company. Okay, so welcome back. Thank you for joining us. And we just left Josh and now we are on um, did you did you take KLM flights too? Because almost everybody I know took KLM. <laughs> How did you know this? Yeah, so, I actually got that, on. KLM. I don't know. KLM needs to come sponsor this podcast. You know, somebody needs to put me in touch with KLM Airlines because almost every immigrant who came from uh, Africa, it doesn't matter. Because yeah. before I was saying Nigeria, but now nah, I've discovered that it's not just limited to Nigeria. There's people from Tanzania, from uh, yeah. whatever countries. Like we all came. It doesn't even matter if you're coming to the United States or the UK. It's like KLM. Go jump on KLM. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Leave. Yeah, it was KLM. Yeah, it was KLM. Great to skip all. Yeah, but wow. yeah, <laughs> it was KLM, yeah. And um, yeah, and landed straight to, uh, you know, to Scotland in Glasgow. Oh, so you flew. You, you, Scotland was your first part of call. Okay, so. Yes. Um, why did you make that move? Um, okay, marriage, really. <laughs> so, wow, I'd, I wasn't uh, expecting obviously that. Gone through, yeah, so it was, yeah, I got married before coming to to Scotland. My husband was already here, okay, and uh, was studying in Scotland. And uh, I was back home whilst I was still in university, we were seeing and stuff. And then we came back home, we got married, and then we decided to, to move to the UK. And while, well, he was still studying at the time, he was still rounding up his PhD and, in Glasgow. And oh, yeah, so okay, so that's Glasgow. why um, Scotland. So did you guys meet in college or you met Nigeria. in... Okay. Yeah, yeah, in Nigeria. And we are from the same village, from the same... Oh, wow. From the same... <laughs> yeah, we're still family friends. Wow, that is some strong love right there. <laughs> yeah. We've known you've known each other for like forever. Yes, really. Yeah, we have. Yeah, that that's hard to hide secrets. I need to interview him <laughs> and see if he can 
<laughs> if it can still be like, can you really hide anything from Sarah? Let me see if you still, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to still interview him and ask him. I have questions, especially <laughs> for him. Oh, you're doing for a shock. You know, I will also be for a shock because the things that he would come out with, you know. I think you still come out on top. You win, you win. I, I I'll give you the win before we even yeah, yeah. you still win. <laughs> so, yeah. um, what what time of the year did you arrive in Scotland? In March, so it was winter basically. Ah, at the time it was quite cold. Basically, it was snowy. So, at yeah. The time. So how was that like for you? And <laughs> um, obviously, it was shocking. I was like, "Whoa, everyone's white." <laughs> <laughs> there was snow too. Yeah, so you got you got a perfect and, um, welcome. Yes, and um, but luckily I was wrapped up very well, so I'd you know unlike me, you listen. And, and that, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We, women, women tend to listen and pay attention. Like men, men will be like, ah, look at uh, what is it? I looked at the it's the same as Lagos or it's the same as Nigeria. It's not different. I'm coming from Georgia, so as winter too. What is the difference there? <laughs> My friend, it's not cold. And then you reach the, ah, brother. I better put him back on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> you want to kill somebody? No. You don't, tell, you don't tell us that. What is this? Like, uh, I saw, some, I saw uh, was it last year? Yeah, I think it was last year, year before. There was something trendy on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, there was this, uh, it, it was, I think it snowed heavily in some part of Canada. And there was, like, okay. the snow was so huge that you could barely, there, there was, they they dug a hole for the for a car to, to drive through and it was just this mm. the single car. So like the snow was like really high that it you could barely all you could see was just the top of the car moving. Right? Wow. <laughs> right. Also just like you so you see like if it's like you see a white field and then you just see the top of the car driving through. And I think the person who posted it was uh, Nigerian born. And it was like, oh, Nigerians be like, I want, yeah. to, I want to come to, I want, give me visa. Let me move to Canada. We, we don't move here. If you see this type of thing, will you still come? Uh, people like, my brother, give me the visa. I will still come. I don't care. Okay. Give me shovel too. I will dig it. <laughs> We're coming. <laughs> give yeah, me shovel. Yeah, I will dig it. Everybody wants to leave Everybody was uh, commenting and. Uh, I was like, yeah, but I mean, I I, I agree. I'm not saying I, I I would have I would have said the same thing too. If back uh, if, before I left the United States, I would have said the exact same thing. But yeah, it's just wanted to say that until you you land there and then you're like, oh, this this thing is really cold though. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's it looks beautiful. You just, you just have to experience it. You yeah. love it. You're like, oh, it's beautiful. Ah, then when you stand in it for ah, five minutes, gone. Eh, I can't feel my foot anymore. Ah, wait, 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 wait. Why don't tell me say it cool like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, uh, yeah, that was that was that was that was good. Yeah. yeah. So, from Scotland, you moved again. Well, you yes, guys, you guys didn't yeah. like uh, the the Highlands. Uh, that wasn't no. the plan. No, do you know I would pay to go back to Scotland. It was it was so beautiful. It, you know, I loved it there. I went to university. so basically when I left just I mm -hmm. started university in in Glasgow, and um, so obviously it was completely a different setting. So that was my first you know first experience of schooling. 
um, I was actually the only African in my class. Wow. Um, wait, so, wait, so, yeah, wait, wait, like, wait, wait. What was that like? What was yeah? What was that experience like? <laughs> it was. I think I, lo- I liked it because like there was so much attention on me in a way. But in as much as I'm not, I don't, I do not like being, you know, being the center of attention. But you know, it was it was glaring that everybody was looking at me. People wanted to be friends with me, actually, which was you know, you know, funny. Um, until I think that second, you know, second term, the second semester, that yeah. another guy from Zimbabwe, well, kind of grew up in Britain, um, came and you know joined the class, and we became friends also. But um, yeah, lots of them, you know, there were you know Africans or Black people around in the, in the university. Okay, in the university. In my own class, if, yeah. yeah, but in my but own your class, class was just I was only yes, yeah, so okay. I was I was only one until Gilbert and um, joined. So yeah, it was different. Um, I had loads of friends, which you know, and I'm still in very, very much contact with. You know, my closest friend was, you know, is, is from Scotland, from Glasgow. So yeah, I loved it there, but um, I had to leave after my second year to to Manchester. So that's how we moved. Why Manchester? <laughs> Why Manchester? Okay, so the reason why I actually removed was my husband got a job. So after his PhD, he got a job. Um, he was working in Glasgow, but then got a better offer yeah. at a university in Manchester. And um, obviously, we weighed it. He was he was working here, and I was back in Glasgow. But uh, it was just a bit of a too much traveling back and forth. Mm, and yeah. when I knew that I could actually transfer my university to Manchester, and we didn't have a, you know, we didn't have kids at the time, so it was just easier to mm-hmm. to move or to, to join him in Manchester, and um, it was bigger, you know, it, we, you know, it's it's different also. That's England, moving away from Scotland, so yeah, the it was job, Malzahn's job that got us to Manchester. How 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 far is Manchester from Glasgow? About three hours drive. Okay. Well, depending on what kind of car you've got, but yeah, at the time, well, it was average. Three. Yeah. 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 Was it? Yeah. It was three less than four. Yeah. Let's say average three hours. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, if you had, to, I know you've been in Manchester for a while now, but if you yeah. you were giving like, okay, yes, yeah, five million pounds, Manchester yeah. or Glasgow, where we, where will you, where will you? Choose five million pounds uh, so tax free. Like, you don't have to pay a tax. It's all yours. Right. Pick one. Manchester or, or, to or Glasgow to, Man- to go to Scotland. Yeah. So with the with the cash and then to choose Manchester or Glasgow. Yeah, you have five million pounds. Take, but what what which city will you choose, choose to stay in? Honestly. You know, now if you, you know, if my Manchester people can hear, hear this, <laughs> they'll be heartbroken. But seriously, I would go back to Scotland. I just, I just absolutely loved it. Like we were younger, we were students. Yeah. Um, well, my husband was still studying and working, but like we were literally living in the university. The university was opposite our house. Okay. Um, the, the city centre was just next door. The church was there. The gym was in the university. Like literally, everything was just around us. Uh, we had a car, but we rarely used it because like we, you could easily walk mm, everywhere. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there was just something about Glasgow. There was something about Scotland that just I just wanted to experience it again. Um. We do go back to see friends and family, you know, friends there. But since 
you know, the world's changed because yeah. of the pandemic, who have not, who have not been, been, but it's one of the places I would love to jump in straight back as soon as we're out of um, lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with vaccines, there's hope. So, yep, yeah, you you get your wish soon, and you'll be able to. Yeah, you know, Yeah, so, um, you moved to Manchester. You start a life there with your husband, and the family starts to grow. Yeah, and you make career switches, and you know, you 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 don't do the. It's it's so let me rephrase it. So you go back so going back to the way I kind of got my messaging in Nigeria, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, if you got into like banking and you had a, an an opportunity to like keep growing in banking. You stayed banking was one of the big things, you know, for, for us as yeah. kids. Like yeah. you're, you're you're told go into banking, you know, it's one of the, those proud professions, like you 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 top dog if you go into banking. You know, you're the pride of the family mm-hmm. if you're in banking. And you didn't just say, okay, I'm in banking. I'm going to stick there. You could have stayed there. It's not like you were a failure in banking. You were... Yeah, it was you, easy. Yeah, it was you, easy you, to, you, to you, jump from you've one walked bank on, and You've walked in different places, different cities and different continents. Yeah. So you have yeah. an experience that many people cannot compete with. But you still decided to move to a different career and make a switch that um, it's not really a message that is encouraged in our communities. We don't really do that message of, you know, accept. We, 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 it's, uh, it's like too much risk involved. Especially if you have something good already going, it's like, yeah, why, why give it up? You know, except you, you're 100% guaranteed to succeed in the other side, then, yeah, then make that switch. Otherwise, stay where you are. So yeah. what inspired you to, you know, make your career switch and, and take that leap of it? So. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, um, I can't, yeah, just like you mentioned, like banking, sometimes when you, especially with banks, when you're in a bank, you find yourself jumping from this bank to the next bank to the next bank. And before you know it, it's like, you know, it's, you know, the whole career is banking, right? Yeah. So I, I I kind of found myself in that situation. I worked in two banks in Nigeria, and when I came to the UK, I also worked in a bank. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is actually following me. I need to break this, whatever it is. I need to break it. Not because I didn't enjoy banking, working in banks, but um, I've always been somebody who is quite adventurous. I want to see what other sectors are doing. I wanted to learn other things. Um, so I thought, basically from banking, I did work in insurance. Um, I did work in the barring, um, so like disclosure disclosure companies where they would do criminal, criminal record checks. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did all of that. But, um, you know, another big thing that I really wanted to venture into with the state agency was real estate, basically. And I thought, you know, the way to go about it is to actually go and study it. I just didn't want to just going to a job without knowing so much like I do want to kind of like just learn the job on the you know learn on the job I want to yeah. actually know the theory part of it you want to go in blind so I'm, yes yes I did you know start working in the real estate as a part-time worker but um, I was working towards getting a master's in real estate and property management 
And so, yes, I was shuffling, working yeah. in, the, in, in the property industry whilst learning, you know, in, in the university. So I went to university again here in, in Manchester and I did, uh, got a master's in real estate and property management. So that was something that I was like, yes, almost like it was on the bucket list, but um, I, I had a passion for it. So I, I loved it. I think I, I worked in the industry for six years. And um, but then again, I was still hungry for something. Like I just knew that something wasn't wasn't there yet. And um, so from there, that's when I went into community engagement, working in the nonprofit. And this is where, this is basically home. Working for, you know, for a community, working with people like in need. Mm. And um, yeah, this is the main passion to work. <clears throat> in a non-for-profit organization. So I, I like that you, you brought that word and you said it twice now. Passion. And I think yeah. it's important that we keep saying that word and presenting mm -hmm. that word, especially to the, mm -hmm. to the, in our community because we tend mm -hmm. to just beat um, careers. We don't even beat career, we just a job. You know, get a job, yeah, or yeah. just make money. You know, but yeah. you don't talk about passion. And if you don't really have a passion for whatever you're doing, for a project, for a mission, mm -hmm. you don't need this. Like um, my guest from episode um, 63, I believe, um, Driven mm -hmm. by Purpose. You're not driven by purpose. You go yeah. fade out. You can, you, you can yeah. still be successful. But that's how the burnout begins. Because one day you're just gonna look in the mirror yeah. and be like, "I'm, I hate this stuff, or I hate myself. Why am yeah. I here?" Kind of thing. And uh, that's another reason why it's a lot easier for people to make that switch and take what yeah. you've already learned from what you're doing and mm -hmm. apply it to another field and yeah. still find yourself successful. And success doesn't mean you have to make one million in one day and then. You know, but no, it's course. a gradual no. thing. And, you know, so it's um, another reason why this podcast exists to show our um, other immigrants that, hey, you know, it's not, and uh, our other listeners that uh, it's not about sticking to just one part. And you can, if that part yeah. is right for you, then you have your passion in that part, then it's good. There's no problem there. But, yeah. If you are having questions, you know, then maybe you should ask yourself, if, do I have a passion for what I'm doing? If you don't have a passion, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with going back to school, you know, yeah. or making that switch or going to learn the other ways to learn. If, you know, school might not be the path, but there are options. Yeah. Just don't yeah. drown yourself in one, in one uh, place, you know. Yeah. So now another thing you mentioned in your answer was... Uh, the non-profit. And I thought about saying that in the intro, but I wanted to, oh, you know, make people wait a little bit for the juice. So you are the founder and CEO of Yarang Lamisi Foundation. Did I say the name right? Yes, you said it right, actually, yeah. yeah. I, 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 <laughs> well Yarang... Sounds like a yeah. name that I was familiar with from uh, the Joss area, Plato area. So, uh, but I know it wasn't Y, 
but it was a different yeah. spelling. So that that's why I'm, mm. I'm, I've, been, I mean, I've been able to get that that uh, mm. that word correct. So you're okay. the founder of Yarang Lamisi uh, <laughs> Foundation, and can you uh, tell us a little bit about that and you know the the reason why that foundation exists? Yeah, so just carrying on from the last bit that, you know, I've worked in all sectors and, you know, found kind of some sort of happiness, but I wasn't much fulfilled. And so I thought, you know, it's always been a dream to work with women and girls to give, especially with, you know, in terms of girl-child education is not. So it's always been something that I knew I would not just not be able to, you know, I I needed to do it. I needed to give other girls the platform to be educated, especially Northern girls. <clears throat> so I've been working and working and researching and, you know, on how to go about what I needed to do. So I was doing some things on the side, you know, quietly and sponsoring some people. But it, it kind of like I needed to come out and with the right support system, with the right people around me, um, my, my husband and um, also my friend and mentor, um, memory basically kind of pushed me into you know not pushed me like kind of like directed me to actualizing this dream and making it into a a non-for-profit organization so I founded this just in July last year 2020 yeah July 2020 and so here I'm basically the vision is to serve as a platform for girls and and young women regardless of their religion their income level or social status and just to be nurtured and empowered and also just to mainly reach their full potential. You find like a lot of girls in, especially in the village, have no clue, basically no education. Mm. The boys would go to school, yeah. but the girls end up not going to school. And then before you know it, it's early child marriage mm-hmm. and that's it, it's all done. Or the highest they would go is primary school and then there's no secondary school. So I wanted to change that narrative. You know, a lot is going on and I give it to the government, I give it to the communities, I give it to, to people that, you know, are pushing for education, especially adult-child education. So I was more passionate or drawn to um, building a school in my village, um, building a secondary school in my village. The dream is still there. We've still not gotten there yet. So whilst we're waiting to, to build, to get to that, um, I also wanted to use the opportunity to give women that have actually missed out on education a second chance. So I have um, a program called the Second Chance Initiative, where we wanted to see women um, trained have in vocational skills yeah. and how to sew, how to knit, how to you know make crafts and um, learn how to make soaps and you know liquid soaps and seasoning, whatever it is. Just get them to be self-reliant, get them to have a skill to, and, you know, hopefully whatever they are going to learn, they can turn it into a business and they wouldn't have to rely on what they're given by family or by husband, you know, because mm-hmm. the norm is from how I grew up is women wait for the husband to give them, what, 100 naira or whatever, to actually find something to eat. And if the husband hasn't, you know, sold anything in the market or hasn't been able to give something for food, then what happens? So I wanted to see as many women empowered. I wanted to see as many women being self-reliant, apart from just being educated. So yeah, that has been founded and we've been working. We I'm using Gumbi State as a pilot because the, the whole dream is to be able to cover the North. Okay. 
of Nigeria. Um, but I'm using uh, my own state because that is my immediate co- community. Yeah. And even in the state, yeah. So I wanted to start from there, start small and see how it goes. So just um, last week, oh, well, on Monday, we launched the vocational training center in the village where, you know, we've we've started with 50 women for now. I wanted to keep it small because obviously the the COVID-19 is still there. And yes. I, didn't, you know, I don't want done. to mm-hmm. get a place crowded. Yes. So we're starting with 50 women, um, giving them a skill. So it's the, the reception is incredible. So the launch, <laughs> when I saw the video, obviously I wasn't there. I was like, yes, this is this is one step. To achieving that dream so um and the testimonies from you know from the video we're just like yes i think we've done something right and in terms of the education whilst we're waiting for um you know more resources to to be able to build a school we're just using <clears throat> the opportunity to sponsor our girls to further the education sponsor girls um from the communities to to well to pay their first of all to start with school fees yes to ensure that you know that their you know school fees is not a barrier you know the the exams fees that they pay why can they call yeah. that they have that, to that, register for a big barrier that, yeah because know. that yeah yeah because that one you know you find their friends that yeah we can't afford it so you know where would the girl then where would the girl find that money so we thought okay this could be somewhere we could chip in so we are working with a few girls right now um, getting them into that step to an education. So they are already kind of in education, but we're we're still scouting for as many that aren't in to be able to sponsor them before we can actually have our own own school. And um, yeah, so yeah, I'm big on you know encouraging girls and women to be self reliant. I want to equip them. I want to educate them. I want to just motivate them, empower them with whatever they you know within my capability. And um, yeah, so that is what we're doing in Nigeria. And um, Yarang Lamisi Foundation is also operating here in the UK. And um, I'm using my, again, my immediate community to raise awareness, um, not just education. Obviously, here there is quality classroom education, but as we know, education just doesn't stop in classrooms. And so what, what the foundation is working towards is raising awareness within the black and minority um, ethnic groups in between, well, among girls in my direct community here in Withenshaw um, is one of the largest estates in, apparently in Europe actually. So it's oh, a wow. big, big, big place. Yes, okay. so I live here. And so we're working with young girls and young women here in terms of, you know, just to educate them. Um, to talk about mental health, if you're from, you know, with uh, African backgrounds, mental health is not yeah. something that we no, talk about or we yeah. knew about. Mm-hmm. And um, in as much as, you know, most of these girls were born here, but there are some that have actually landed from Africa and do not understand certain things. We, we, we carry a lot, whole lot of our baggage with us. In... Yes, with us, exactly. So, so I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to be a, uh, uh, kind of, you know, wanted to create a safe place where girls can feel free to talk about their mental health. Mm. So we're working in synergy with, you know, a lot of um, other organizations that can, you know, provide this um, therapy or whatever, you know, whatever, how they work it, but, you know, just to get mental health yeah. in check 
and also to talk about some topics that we, we avoid talking about as Africans and as African girls and women is sexual and reproductive health. You know, it, that, you know, you, you was, could talk about that these was things. probably going to be one of my questions, but yes, <laughs> it's... kind of, yeah, it, it's just something that we just had to touch on. So these are the things that, you know, want to be able to, you know, give room for our girls to be able to feel free, want to normalize it. You know, yes, there's access to the mainstream services. You can go to your doctor to talk about certain things, but, you know, with a typical African woman, especially if you find somebody from the North, you, like literally the, there's certain things that they wouldn't want to say. Yeah. They wouldn't want to even talk about. So we thought having a service, you know, having an organization like this, that, you know, they come in and see somebody that looks like them and, you know, is a professional, can talk about certain things with them. So but general guidance. down the barrier too. Yes, break it. Yes, exactly. And um, also to talk about, you know, to encourage them to go into politics, to go into leadership roles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, because there's no much representative, you know, in, among, you know, BME, BME groups and politics and in leadership, even in our places of work, you find that you're, you know, most of us are at the bottom of the food chain mm-hmm. and it's not okay. And it's not just because we don't want to do it, but you, it's just to feel that confidence yeah. to to be equipped and to be ready to, you know, as soon as an opportunity avails itself, grab it and go for it. So, yeah, this is what we're doing here. And, you know, just general empowerment, you know, yes, go, you can do it. And oh, just yeah. to be a, a support system to them. So, I'm, like I said, I'm big on community engagement. And I always feel like to make the best impact or the most impact, I would rather start with my next door neighbor, rather start with my immediate community. And that's why this strategy of, you know, what we're doing as a, an organization is to start with, Start small, yeah. and my father-in-law says to me, you know, because I said to him, "Oh, it's a small NGO." He says, "No, small is beautiful," and I want to hold this in my head. It's like, small is beautiful. Start small, and before you know it, you know, it's everywhere. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's you're starting. It's one step at a time. But um, if you're not making this little step, the the ripples will go. It, it will it will be felt. In, in, um, yeah. everywhere because yeah. it's a service that is long overdue and yeah. um, it's something that sh- we, we shouldn't have these problems today but unfortunately yeah. they are there and mm-hmm. that's why we need people like you stepping up and we need people like myself showing support too because um, mm-hmm. us men we need to be in support of our sisters yeah. doing stuff like this because yeah. it's not for us to yeah. just say, oh, the women are doing it. Okay, so well, yeah, let them do it. You know, we just go and hide in one corner. Like, uh, <laughs> no, we, we have yeah. to be there for you. We have to keep, uh, even if we don't have the money, we have to use our voice and shout yeah. it at the rooftop and, yeah. you know, keep supporting. Yeah. Um, one question, though, well, well actually two questions. Uh, are there plans for... The UK, uh, the the UK version or the UK branch and the mm-hmm. Nigerian branch or the Northern Nigerian branch to interact with each other, because I feel like there's uh, there's um, an opportunity for the women. I know the, the language might be a barrier, but I think that can be yeah. overcome 
if you have yeah. someone doing translation. But um, are there plans to have interactions between as well, like the, the younger ones, you know, to bring that uh, yeah. interaction, especially with the uh, technology of today, you know, creating that yeah. opportunity for you know, yeah. people to see themselves and start. Because I, I think that would be a huge help in when it comes to um, breaching the barriers on topics like yeah. sexual, sexual um, um, reproduc reprodu reproductive yeah. um, um, health oh. and all those, yeah. Uh, yeah. everything that's supposed to be a taboo. And um, yeah. and um, when another big issue is still with, um, especially for women who do not identify as uh, uh, by the norm of when it comes to um, uh, representation, you know, the LGBTQ yeah. community. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. back in Nigeria, are they welcome to be part of the project? Do they have protection? Are they guaranteed? To, absolutely, you know. absolutely. We're in for inclusion. See, so we are all we're all one. I want to see this as you know, we're all in this, you know, we're all sharing this planet together. We you know, I do not have, you know, everybody's welcome. And just to answer your first question, yes, there is going to be room for collaboration as you know, for both um both arms of Yarang Lamisi Foundation. In short, we call it YLF. So just if it's, if you find it as a mouthful is YLF, yes. Okay. Um, so currently we have both um, our social media platforms are separated. Okay. Good. Reason being is we this is a step that we want to. So the things that we post on on the websites for Wildlife UK would still feature in the social media platforms that you would be able to click and see and read for yourself. So we we've made it in a way that you know you can you know you can feed off you can see what we do in Nigeria yeah. and you can see what we do in the UK. You can learn what we're doing in the UK if you're in Nigeria. You can learn what you we're doing in Nigeria if you're in the UK. So we thought, you know, just keep it under one roof. Just is a way of raising that awareness. And hopefully very soon we're going to do a collaborative Zoom kind of um, conference. Okay. Um, call it, yeah. So where, you know, the two arms will meet, you know, the girls that are working with would make provision for them to come on live with us um to just talk about certain things and you know just to kind of like have a clear understanding but the good thing is the ones here know the presence obviously the, the girls that we work with the women that we work with here know yeah. that there is a big presence also in nigeria um but in terms of you know the, the way we fund is entirely different and i wouldn't want to even dive in too much into it all right. The Nigerian one is completely self-funded. Okay. The the UK one, we've we've got some grants, um, which we're very very much thankful for. The National Lottery uh, was able to 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 donate some some funds for us to run a project called Resonate Hope, right. and um, it's a six month project. That we've just gone into the third month month now, and um, so yes. In terms of funding, in terms of you know the things that we're doing, in terms of finance, are completely different. But the vision still, you know, is still the same. We want to work with many girls and women, get them equipped, get them educated, build their self confidence, and um, just just get them to be mentored, counselled, and just 
want to lead them to feel accepted, understood, and just being able to contribute to their communities, to their lives. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a necessary step in giving women the ability, uh, the, the, the say in uh, having control over their bodies too, yeah. because that's yeah. another yeah. battle that is still ongoing. Self-image, you know, yeah. Where we, uh, the whole system trying to tell women that they can't have say over their own bodies. We, we don't have a business telling yeah. women that that's not our business. You know, that's our yeah. women. Yeah. So yeah, Absolutely. thank you for that, uh, for the good job that you're doing. And I know there's more, more to come from um, uh, from YLF. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, remind me, I will, afterwards, remind me, I will, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you some stuff to uh, mm -hmm. someone to link up with. And um, yeah, there's something okay. I will send you concerning your, the school. But yeah, just remind me afterwards. Fantastic. So okay. um, cool. beginning to wrap up. Okay. But before we wrap up, because I could do this, this episode could go on for like three hours, honestly. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we have to we have to wrap up so people don't be like, man, this this guy kept me up for three hours, you know. But uh, you know, you do a whole lot of good work, a lot of hard work. You're also a parent, your wife. I'm. Uh, there are people who are still gonna be like. Hey, aren't you doing too much, you know? And what do you say to those people who, who like, man, shouldn't you focus on just being a wife and raising kids, you know? And, you know, aren't you, you know, why do you need to do all this? What What do you say when people bring up those type of, because I know there are different ways people throw that at women who Question are yeah. successful, women who are doing, giving back to the community. And, you know, it, it grinds my, my bones when I hear that and I get mad. But, <laughs> You know, but uh, I think it will sound much more better coming from you. So uh, what do you say when people bring those type of questions to you? Um, okay, to be honest, I really haven't been asked directly. Obviously, there are ways that they, you know, you get this question. Yeah, they bring it up to man. Yeah, yeah. But I think the people that actually know me well and understand, you know, that I am big on balance in my life, you know, so sometimes we kind of like choose how to even ask the question because they would always get <laughs> the right answer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but sometimes really they say, okay, so Sarah, how do you do this? You know, you work full time. So I work for a non for profit organization as a full time work. Um, it's called Olive Pathway. It's here in my community also in Wodenshaw. Oh, wow. Founded by somebody, you know, a friend, a mentor. Yeah. So I work as a project lead there. So it's a full time role. And uh, obviously, I'm running YLF, and I've got my family. You know, uh, you know, my mind is at home, as you know, in Nigeria. So there's so much going on, and I'm doing a business analysis course as, at, at the same time. Oh yeah. So it's a how yeah, and then I have a food business, and like, so what? What's how do you do this? You know, you need to chill. Or, yes, but they don't really come in to say, why don't you focus on just being a wife? I haven't been asked this question directly. Because, you know, like I said, you know, they know that I'm big on balance or whatever it is. You know, I just, especially putting my family first is always top priority. So whatever I'm doing, family is first. And then I have to juggle the rest and also create time for self-care. Of course. So I don't know how I'm doing it. Yeah, I don't know how I'm doing it. What advice will you give to 
anyone looking at you saying, you know, I want to be on this path. I want to be as awesome as Sarah is, you know, the young, especially the younger ones. What, what, what yeah. would your advice? What would you advice to them? Be? Yeah. Okay. And this yeah, not so, just for only girls, because um, even young boys, man, they're like, "Wow, I want to, I want to be like yeah. Sarah when I grow up." <laughs> I think for me, I think just if you have found a passion, right, follow it. I think follow the passion that you've got. And I wish I had been, you know, consistent in following my passion because I, you know, I might have, you know, have had better clue and about career management, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, and in as much as I was competent, or I would like to think I had been uh, competent at my previous jobs, um, but it took me long to realize that um, I was losing a sense of purpose. And, you know, basically I wanted to put my passion in, in, into work, you mm-hmm. know, into my daily work. So anyway, passion would always, always, always mostly provide energy that would help one to be motivated. And, and so I would always say, you know, if you discover a passion, just follow it. Surround yourself with, you know, good people, with, you know, have a good support system if you don't have it. Seriously, we live in a click and get generation right now. Yeah. Check Google, you'll find, you know, just, just check, just research if you have the means. If you don't have, for those that would be in the village, honestly, you know, you should have at least one role model in your life that you see. And hopefully there will be, a, but you know, a, you know, whatever it is, if it is water that you just want to know how to to understand what you know how to make into uh, a selling product or how to just give people water, honestly. And if you discover that that is a passion, just go for it. There's always there's always a way. Um, and then passion, I think, would always attract others and basically make you a strong leader. So whatever it is you're doing, if you've got the passion, the you know, passion will give you authenticity. And just follow what you love. Just don't be distracted by external factors. I think whatever it is, the rest will follow. Yeah. Just go with the flow. Yeah, and um, yeah. Well, I think that that's just too beautiful. I don't think I should add any more to that. That that <laughs> might just be the best place to end it on. Because yeah, I don't I don't want to take that energy away. That energy is too good <laughs> right there. So, Sarah. Uh, how do you say thank you in in your in your language? Okay, so in in Terra is nakuna. Nakuna. Oh. Yes, or nagode. nagode. Yeah, not nagode. So just if you... nagode. <laughs> yeah. I, I know but, some basic outside. Like, that's the like one of the yeah. last houses still left in me. Yeah, oh, the house nagode, I got beat yeah, out but... of me, but uh, yeah, so, <laughs> nakuna. Okay, yeah, nakuna. So, yes, nakuna. Nakuna, yeah. Sarah, for coming on the podcast and um, how can people find uh, Yarang Lamisi Foundation or if they want to get in touch well how can people uh, yeah. get connected yeah they we're, yes we we're all we're on social media so it's just straight Yarang Lamisi Foundation all one word um, on Twitter on Facebook and on Instagram and on the website we have Two websites, we have separate websites for the UK and Nigeria. Okay. Um, initially, we had one website, but we have two now. So it's just YLF UK or YLF NG. You right. should, you know, a Google search should be able to to bring it up. I'll add um, all yeah. to the show notes when I release the okay. episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Perfect. So Nakuna, 
Sarah, and <laughs> to listeners, if you hear Nakuna, don't be like, hey, are you speaking Swahili? No, I'm not speaking Swahili. It's Swahili is Asante. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we'll be in touch, and thank you. And to everyone listening, Nakuna, for the privilege of your company. See you at the next episode. Keep the love coming in, and keep sharing, and yeah, catch you. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.